today it's exciting that God is on the throne and that God is not dead and neither is his church. You see, I believe without any reservation that the church is getting ready for its greatest season and greatest moment that is ever seen on the planet. We look at the book of Acts and we read the book of Acts and we see how great the church was as it came on the scene where the very first day, 3,000 men gave their hearts to Jesus. But I declare that in the last days, we are going to see greater influx. We're going to see greater salvations. We're going to see greater outpourings because God is getting ready for that trumpet sound. And the church is going to rise to the top. Can I hear an amen? amen. Church has not been beaten. The church is winning. I was just watching something yesterday from California. TBN actually had a, a thing on how churches are being persecuted in, in California, where a pastor was actually getting ready to be thrown in prison for opening his church. And I, I, I want you to know that New York was also in that list of states that were in that position. And I'm just so proud of this house. You see, I can't be proud. I can't say anything about any other house. This is the house that we're responsible for. And I thank God for this house, even when the enemy came against us. And, you know, we're not blaming the government. We fight not against flesh and blood. But that this church was willing to stand and even take abuse, even take accusation, even take lies. I have a friend of mine that was up in Massachusetts, and the town so hated him that they actually made up lies that he was a super spreader church. It went all the way to the Boston Globe. It went all the way in national news. And they absolutely lied about it. And uh, he's now helping them remind them that they need to publicly apologize. Amen. With the lawyers, of course, you know. But they're, they'll, they'll apologize because they've come against not man. They've come against God. You see, it's one thing to come against religion, but it's another thing to come against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're not serving religion today. We're serving the king. Today, I want to welcome you who are watching by live stream. Thank you so very much. I want to let everybody know that Easter is not that far away. How many of you know what happened on Easter Sunday? Jesus got up. Amen. There was a return from the dead to life. Amen. And we're going to turn and we're going to declare the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about a month and a half ago. I shared it with the staff. Is that this Easter, we're going to call it the great return. It's time for the church just as Christ rose, it's time for the church to have a great return back to his house. And we're going to come against, even those that I, I know you're watching online and some of you are in fear of COVID, some of you are, 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 are still home because of COVID, but it's time to have the great return, amen? So we'll have three services on Easter Sunday morning so that you can have a great return and, and be safe, but we're going to have a great return in the house of God. It's time to let the devil know the church does not cower. I chose, uh, the church does not squeal. We roar. We're of the tribe of the Lion of Judah. Amen. We, we, are, we got Christ on our side. We cannot fail. Today, I want you to know as the church, you know, I've been watching Brother Ted all week, and that can always be bad. Brother Ted just has no patience for the foolish attack of the enemy against the body of Christ. So I got a little lumption in my gumption this week. I apologize ahead of time so that if I offend you, that's all right. That's what my job is. Someone said, well, you know, I don't feel fuzzy when I come to church. Well, that's probably because you're coming to this church. 
My job is not to make you feel fuzzy. My job is to kick you in the hind end to get you moving forward. Amen? It's time that we change forward. Shout it out loud. This is the year. Change forward. Nobody likes to change. Nobody wants to change. Everybody wants comfort. Everybody wants peace. That's why we all have a home. How many of you sit in the same chair pretty much all the time? When you have the supper table, how many of you have a place at the supper table? How many of you, when you, uh, when you go to the bathroom, you like the toilet paper going over either the top? Who likes going over the top toilet paper? Who likes coming from the bottom toilet paper? All I know is that we like comfort all the way to toilet tissue. How many of you are single-ply people? Double pliers. Amen. Some of you just restrained yourself. Hallelujah. Change is something that people despise. But whether we've liked it or not, we've had a year where we have been, mo we have been propelled to change. And change is so powerful because change usually comes through pain or discomfort. The challenge of change is not changing. The challenge of change is remaining. Many people will change for a period of time and then slowly come back to their norm. But God is going to change you forward so your norm is new. You've heard it said, we have a new normal. I want you to know that I don't take that new normal. I take the kingdom new normal. It's time for the church to arise, the church to move in power, the church to move in authority, the church to move in harvest, the church to not be ashamed, the church to stand forward, and the church to even take persecution. See, life has changed. Some of you lost loved ones during the time. Life changed. The world has changed. I want you to know my wife and I came back from Florida, and there are parts of Florida that have not changed. My wife went to Marco Island, and there's a sign going on to Marco Island that says, masks are not required Social distancing is not required. Live life. And they did. Where we were in parts of Florida, they are living life. They did a study between California and Florida with the spread, and they looked at the two completely diametric, diametrically opposed viewpoints. One is complete lockdown. The other is almost complete freedom. And the numbers were pretty much the exact same. I want you to realize that whether or not you're locked down or you're locked out, that it's time that the change that God is doing in your life remains. That you do not allow it to change backwards, but you keep changing forwards. That the transition that is happening in your life is not going to be one that is going to rebound back to what you were, but you'll be consistent and constant moving forward. Today, last week, we talked about how God doesn't change. Didn't Pastor Cody preach a message? Amen. I hadn't preached in three weeks. I'm, I don't know. I'm getting used to trying this all over again. I hope it works. Today, I want to talk to you about the word of truth that is unchanging. 
Open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 16. 2 Peter 1, 16 through 21, and it says this. For we do not follow cunning, devised fables when we uh, were made known to you uh, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent uh, from, from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we had the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy came not by the will of man, but by holy men of God that spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. Today I want to talk to you about something that the church needs revival in. I want to remind you what the word revival means. Revival means you're bringing back to life what once had life. There has been a large dismissal of the word of God in most believers' lives. Now we will say no, we will say that's not true, we will say we believe in the Bible, but the fact is is that secular human, humanism, rationalism, intellectualism, and experientialism has permeated not only the world and driven it, but now it's driving the majority of the church. The problem with that is that the inerrancy of the Bible has been thrown out for experiential design that people can concur in their minds and deduce from their philosophical belief systems by how they've experienced God rather than by the inerrancy and the completion that man did not give this text, but that it was given by God himself for his church. Philosophy is not the mind of God. The word is absolute truth. Shout it out loud with me. The word is absolute truth. If you're watching online, I want you to type that right now in the comment bar. Absolute truth. The word is absolute truth. I'm going to say it again. The word is absolute truth. The word is absolute truth. I said the word is absolutely truth. Well, pastor, I agree with most of the Bible. But there are some things that I just don't really agree with. Then the word is not absolute truth to you. If you can change your belief system to go against the Bible, then God's word is not absolute and unchanging. The problem is when God's word is absolutely changing because of philosophical ideas, because of your design per, uh, per, 
perspective because you have sat back and said, well, I don't agree with this because my lifestyle doesn't line up with this. Then you've taken God off the throne. You've taken his word and diminished it. And no longer is it your absolute truth. It is just your subjective truth. There is a problem when that becomes the the flow of the body of Christ. Because then there is no yea and amen. Then there is no true, firm foundation. Then, as the world changes, your beliefs change because how you believe changes because of your experiences. When your experiences change the Bible... When your experiences change the Bible, the Bible loses its power. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. The word life there is zoe. I want you to know that the word, as the word is being brought forth, it is quick and powerful and sharper. It is living. It is life. The word is not death. The word are not just words. They are not just re- excuse me, regular words. They are rhema words, which is a living word. His word is alive, and his word will not return void. Well, pastor, what is truth for you might not be truth for me. You see, I don't care what the truth is for me. And I don't care what the truth is for you. I care what Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life says. I care that he is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. What does the word say? Not your philosophy. We're now in a world where philosophy and, and that hu- secular humanism is so powerful. Where even our millennials and our Z generation are now basing more of their belief system upon their emotional movement rather than the inerrancy of the scripture. It is not strange today for a millennial. Now millennials go into the 30s now, about 32 years old where they like a worship service in one location, but they like the word preached in another location, so they'll go there for worship and they'll get up and leave and go to another church for the word. Or they sit home and they'll watch all the TV evangelists that they can get. That's called consumption. God and his word and his kingdom is not a salad bar. It is the errant word of God that when applied to our life transforms us, it keeps us, it heals us, it saves us, it empowers us, it gives us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and it transforms the world around us. When the word is alive, it changes you, it changes me and it changes our region. Say amen. The word is unchanging and man's philosophy must yield to the ultimate truth. Because whether people like it or not, the ultimate truth is going to be what we're judged on, not your ultimate truth. Well, we just have different truths. I believe differently. I don't care if you believe differently. You're going to be judged by the truth. It doesn't matter what your belief systems are. It matters what the word's belief systems are. If the word is genuinely the word of God, 
then we are judged according to the word and the inerrancy of the scripture, not by your own personal deduction of what you like or dislike in it. When we grab a hold of this, then we are able to do two things. Number one, change forward. But number two, stand firm in who you are. You see, without the word being inerrant, the word inerrancy means without error. When you and I are not standing on the word of God, then we have built our house upon the sand. And if we built our house upon the sand, then every movement of storm, every movement of problem, this is why I did not shudder and I did not shake when all of a sudden the state told us, you are not allowed to have church. We did one thing, we did another thing. I have people mad at me today because they think I didn't do the right thing. But I want you to know what I did do. I did the word thing. I am not shutting God's church down for no man and no government. They did not do that in the New Testament. They did not do it in, in the dark ages. And it's time for the church to say, we are here. We are here and doing God's will. And nothing will stop us. Amen. Say amen. amen. Well, pastor, I'm a person of science. I'm a scientific individual. And I just cannot, I cannot believe the Bible is inerrant because I'm a scientist. Well, if you're a scientist, then you need to study science. The Bible is full of science, even to the, even to the skin on your teeth, talked about in the book of Job. You need to get into, listen, I'll get called Creation Institute. If you want to really study and find out that you don't have to be ignorant and be a believer, go to Creation Institute and it breaks down all the way down into nanoscience. It's so important that we grasp a hold that you do not have to be ignorant to be a believer. But beyond that, it doesn't matter whether you can prove the word through science or not. Because the Bible does not show itself and is not performing itself as a scientific book. Even though it's absolutely scientific, even though it's absolutely scientifically proven with numerology and all we can go down to the things of, of the science breakdown of the book of Genesis. But it act, is actually shown as a historical book. Well, pastor, scientifically, I'm a science guy. You know, I don't know if I can buy the, 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 the history guy. You see, if you're truly a science guy, then you know this. Science can only prove what is observable, measurable, and repeatable. In fact, if you are a true scientist, you know you have to sit here today. If you're watching online, you know you have to sit here today and say, I don't believe in George Washington. A true scientist cannot believe in George Washington. Because George Washington is not observable. He's dead. You can't measure him. He's still dead. And he can't repeat because he can't raise from the dead. You see, we as, as people, we've got to recognize that the Bible says this is a, not just a scientific book, but a historical book. And his, history demands three different components. An eyewitness account, an historical account, and archaeological proofs. And you take the scripture, and I want you to hear me now. There are 6,000 plus uh, manuscripts of the New Testament alone. It is the most provable book on the entire planet. 
You do not have to be ignorant in your mind to believe that the Bible is true. It is unchanging because it is settled and man scientifically settled, but historically eyewitnesses through eyewitnesses and eyewitnesses over time have seen, watched, and written about the scripture. Every single historical event must have eyewitness accounts and the scripture as we just read it this morning we hear in second peter chapter one it made this very clear statement it said but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty archaeological proofs they have never disproven the bible through archaeology in fact every time they try they end up proving it all over again People are striving to destroy. The devil is working to destroy the inerrancy of the scripture within your mind because if the Bible is no longer absolute, then sin is obsolete. Say it again. If the Bible is no longer absolute, then sin is obsolete. And if sin is obsolete then your truth and your standards are totally governed by your own personal moral code and your fleshly cravings. Let me tell you something, that should scare the hell out of you. People who don't even believe in God should say, well, I'm going to gravitate to the Scripture as a guide to moral fiber. My wife and I heard not too long ago, it was a few years ago actually, Somebody that was in prison for, uh, for uh, uh, what do they call that? Pedophilia. And they had been arrested. They had been in prison the majority of their life. They had just come out of a counseling session while they were in jail. And the counselor told them that pedophilia is not, is not wrong. It's just illegal. And that sometime in the future it will probably be made legal and that their sexual preference could be allowed. What? Why would you think it doesn't go there? Why would you think killing older people who have problems isn't going to come? Why would you think as we are aborting babies to the place where their head crowns their mother's vagina doesn't come? Why would you think that it is something to where now our own state is going to legalize marijuana? Legalize drugs. We can go through the moral fiber. We can go through the breakdown of the family. We can go through the breakdown of the church as now churches are standing up and saying that homosexuals can be pastors behind the pulpit. I want you to see something. Either the word is inerrant and truth. Or there are no holds barred. And the church sits back and we say, well, you know, I believe most of the Bible. Well, if you believe most of the Bible, but you don't believe all the Bible, then you believe none of the Bible. Because where absolute truth is eliminated, sin is now obsolete because it's obsolete according to your moral desire, your moral pleasure, your moral fiber, and now you make the decisions. Not God makes the decisions, but you and I as a humanistic world make the decisions of who God should be and what decisions he can make. 
Oh, come on now. The church has to have a revival again of the divine inspiration of the Scripture. We must have a divine understanding that God is the one who spoke through the prophets as they penned it on paper. I want you to know that God believes in penning things. In fact, he so believed in penning things that he, with his own finger, the finger of God, penned on stone the Ten Commandments. Do this, don't do this. If the church does not have this revival, then truth is now a lie and lies are now truth. Truth is submissive to a person's own design in their mind. That's why I can stand up here and when I preach something, I get people that get up and walk out while I'm preaching. I get people that that, that will get online and start bashing and tearing down of what I'm preaching. And they'll do that because they are now in absolute conflict with absolute authority, and I'm not the authority the Word of God is. The conflict that has to happen within our minds of literally becoming submissive to the word of God, subjected not to our own humanism, but subjected to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Either his word is truth or his word is a lie. And if his word is a lie, let's stop playing religion. Let's go home. Let's go to Cracker Barrel and have some breakfast. Say amen. Truth is not determined by your opinion. You know, we all think we got an opinion. Everyone loves to share their opinion. That's what irritates me the most of, of Facebook. Everyone shares their opinion. I was selling my stepfather's truck. Went home to be with Jesus last fall. Selling my stepfather's truck. And, and we put it at the, the, the low trading value was $9,400 on a bad truck. So we put it in, and we put it in at, at $7,900. Some guy locally gets in there and goes, well, my goodness, are you trying to kill people? Man, that's way too expensive. And I said, were you even interested in buying the truck? No, I just wanted to share my opinion. Who cares about your opinion? What makes you think in your arrogance that your opinion actually holds anything? Say amen. amen. Because it is rack and pinion on that. It is absolute arrogance to think that your opinion and my opinion means anything. Well, I have an opinion. Who cares? Your opinion is subjective to your mindset. But as a believer, our opinions should be, should be subjective to the word of God. And when it's not subjected to the word of God, then we have become secular humanists that have a Christian tag. We must have a revival of the word of God in our lives in these last days because people do not need shifting sanding churches. They need churches that are about to stand up and say, it doesn't matter what comes against us. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. If I got to walk on water, I'm going to walk on water. If I'm going to go to jail, then I'm going to go to jail. If people are going to hate me, then people are going to hate me. In fact, Jesus said it the best. 
You are not better than your master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. It is amazing. Normal human beings, when they don't agree with something that somebody says, they always strive to find somebody who will agree with them to validate their mind so they can sleep that night. Even if it's wrong. Somebody said to me, I spoke about abortion, and somebody said, well, what about all the children that are born that are, that are being abused? Wouldn't they have been better off being aborted? You'll find somebody that will agree with that, but you won't find the Bible agreeing with that because he said, when you murder the innocent, I turn my face against you. Well, pastor, you know, I, I believe in the legalization of drugs. Really? Somebody said to me, somebody said to me, well, you know, pastor, I use it for medical purposes. I said, then take the pill. Well, I just like to smoke it. That's right. You just like to smoke weed. Nothing to do with medical. By the way, you don't even have a medical card. See, we all have our own philosophies. We'll all justify it in our own heads. We'll all, we all, come on now, you got to go to bed. You got to sleep with yourself. And by the way, some of you shouldn't be sleeping with somebody you're sleeping with anyways. You validated it in your heads, but the fact is, is the Bible says that's sin. Amen. See how easy it is? Well, I don't need to go to church. The pandemic the governor, I don't need to go to church. Well, really? The Bible says, forsake not the assembly of yourself as the matter of some is, especially in the last days, except when there's a pandemic. Jesus customarily went to the house of God, except when people were trying to kill him. No, he went even when they were trying to kill him. They went to the temple daily and then met in homes. Even when Nero was trying to kill them and sacrificing their children. See how easy it is to take God's word and make it of none effect? You can steal the power out of the word by making it logos and not rhema when you can validate yourself and your lifestyle within the, with outside of the Bible, but then make the Bible twist enough to agree with you, that's called error. And it is against the Bible. In fact, I read somewhere, oh, that's right, it's the Bible. Anybody who adds and or subtracts all the curses of the book are going to come on their life. Oh, but that's not, oh, really, that's not real? You see, we're living in a time where we have to justify ourselves to live our own lifestyles. But God is saying, it's time to come back. God said, I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. So when you justify our own actions, 
We nullify Christ. Well, this is uncomfortable, Pastor. That means I'm going to have to change forward. Oh, that's right. It's a great year, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Genesis chapter 3, I'm almost done. Genesis chapter 3. We know Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be, and there was. We know Genesis chapter 2, you know, everything's getting settled in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, Eve is there by herself. I don't know where her husband is. Come on, husband, stop being absent in your wife's life. When the authority is not positioned properly, then there's always a time to meddle. That was tweetable, tweetish, twen, tweetish, Nobody tweets anymore? That's for your storybook. Or is that called a storyline? Story. That's for your story. Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Satan comes up. Satan comes up to Eve and says, Listen, man, that tree is good. You should try that tree. And she says, God said, if we touch it, we'll die. He never said that, by the way. We like to add to the word to validate ourselves. You won't surely die. It does look good. From the very beginning, the enemy is constantly trying to make the word not absolute, because if the word is not absolute, then there is no absolute authority. And if there is no absolute authority, then sin is obsolete. But still, the wages of sin is death. They made obsolete in that moment of time in Genesis chapter 3. They made obsolete the true, divine, absolute authority of the King of kings and Lord of lords who created. And now, sin wasn't obsolete. Now, the consequences are not obsolete. There are always consequences. Be quick to repent. Can I just throw that in for free? Many times God will not unveil sin if you're quick to repent from sin. Say amen. I'm almost done. That's twice, right? I'll get one more of those. Truth is not up for debate. Truth is not up to or subjected to your opinion. Either the truth is truth or the truth is a lie. And the body, we've got to get back to this. Do I actually believe that the word of God is inerrant? Do I actually believe that the scientific, that the historic, that the prophetic, 
that the archaeological proofs that are in the Scripture validated from Genesis to Revelation? Do I absolutely believe that it is the rhema word of God? Do I absolutely believe that his word is above all things? Or do I hold the word subjective to my opinion and the, words rel the world's relativity and the circumstances that are surrounding me? Or will I allow the word to rise to the top and be who God has called it to be, the absolute authority in our lives? We've watched it. Now, I've been warned to be very careful. I don't want to hurt the people's feelings that are watching online. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But at some point in time, you're going to have to obey God. You can wait for the vaccine, but they're really not sure that it's going to do all the job. You can sit back and say, well, once this vaccine is all over the nations and everything is good. Oh, really? The fact is, is that there'll be probably another pandemic. I think they've already talked about that. They've talked about different strains of the pandemic, trying to put everybody back in fear all over again. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be wise. That's not what I'm saying. But when the pandemic has more authority and the government has more authority than the word of God, that's when there's a problem. Wisdom is wisdom. Come on now, smarts are smarts. But throwing out the word of God just ain't smart. Because it is either the absolute authority or it is not. This year I've already offended, I think, three or four families. I love you. But the fact is, is that if I'm wrong scripturally, you're responsible to come sit with me. If I'm not, Eat the scroll. Because the scroll is not the opinion of a preacher. The scroll is the word of God. The absolute authority for the absolute truth called the B-I-B-L-E. Say amen or oh my. Now, this is a confrontation that cannot happen in the body of Christ. This is a confrontation that cannot happen between you and the preacher. This is a confrontation that cannot happen between you and your spouse. This is a confrontation that is going to happen between you and God because God is the authority. God knows your heart. God knows your mind. God knows your desires. God knows your placement. You see, and one day, someday, hopefully this day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Come on now. Today is the day. Now is the time of salvation, the sozo, the work of God that transforms us from the inside out, and there's nothing missing, nothing lacking. Come on, nothing broken. And that comes when you and I come to a decision that God's word, not our experience, not our secular humanism, come on now, not our philosophical ideas, but what does the Bible say? What does... Jesus say what does the word say because I hold hope oh, sorry God said it he did he said that where did he say that he said that in Psalms 138 verse 2 I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth your truth and faithfulness you see if God's word is not absolute then you cannot have 
the quality of faithfulness. You can only have faithful in the quality of the absolute. So where there are no absolutes, you have no faithfulness because there are no boundaries. There is no clarity. Some of you have allowed yourselves to be what you want to be, not who God has called you to be. You've allowed your minds to run rampant and create your own philosophy. You've actually written your own Bible, just never penned it on paper. And God is saying, it's time to throw away your Bible and it's time to pick up my Bible because I am the God of absolute truth, because I am the God of absolute authority. Man is not subjected. Come on now. God is not subjected to man. Man is subjected to God. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In these last days, there will be a revival. And the revival is not going to be based on a church on a worship set, on a preacher. Revival will be established, oh, hallelujah. Revival will be established upon the word of truth, the word that is absolute. And those that will join the revival, the remnant people, are the people that will say, God, my life is not my own. If your word says it, I obey it. If you direct me, I will walk it. If you convict me, I will change. God, it does not matter what I want. I've laid myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Take my life, it is no longer mine. Absolute. Vacillation has no place. When you vacillate, the Bible says clearly, James chapter 1, let him expect nothing from the Lord. If you're if your faith vacillates, you see, you can't have faith if you don't believe the word is absolute truth. If your faith vacillates, God says you'll get nothing. Well, I don't know if that's really nice. I don't care if it's nice. It's the Bible. Somebody said, somebody said to me not, not too long ago, you know, pastor, you just don't preach nice. And I said, to my, I said to myself, I think I preach okay. I'm a nice guy. I really try to be nice to people. But I will tell you very clearly, that's the Bible that matters. If I'm not going to preach the Bible, I'm going to go on the circuit. I'm going to be a, what do they call those people that go and, Speak nice things to people all the time. What is that? I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I'm here to motivate you, but I'm not here to motivate you with my personal opinions. I'm here to motivate you with absolute truth from the absolute authority who's given us the absolute Bible to absolutely obey. And when we do, we will have absolute blessing from an absolute blesser whose name is 
every good and precious gift comes down from the Father of lights. Today I pray and I challenge you. I confront you today. I'm colliding with you today in the spirit. Do you believe the Bible? Is the Bible subjective to you? Is Now the word subjective, I want you to hear. Is the Bible subjective to you, which means you make it what you want? Is the Bible subjected to you? When you don't like it, you don't obey it? Or is the Bible absolute? Well, I'll work on it. Sorry. You either believe putting pants on is important or you don't. Now, I know I'm going to get gross. My wife always says, why do you talk about bums? You either believe absolutely that wiping yourself is important or you don't. That's pretty gross, isn't it? Saying it's not gross. Sitting next to one who absolutely believes that it's not important is gross. Some people believe absolutely. It is an absolute truth. You need deodorant. Some do not. Those who do not, sit alone. Absolutely. Question. Is the Bible true or not? Well, I'm just not sure. Then study it. I had a man in Maryland one time. He said, I've studied all the different religions. I said, really? He said, yeah, and I, I just don't believe the Bible. I said, well, then you're an ignorant man. And he said, that's kind of rude. I said, no, what's rude is you said you studied it, and I'm telling you you're a liar. Because if you studied the Bible, you have to come away knowing it's true. Dr. Greenleaf, who was one of the founders of Harvard University, was hell-bent in proving the Bible was fake, farce, man-made. And he had a problem. Because when you study it, it is provable. Dr. Greenleaf had to give his heart to Jesus Christ. And he wrote a whole study. It's free online. One of the founders of Harvard. You can't study the Bible. Scientifically, historically, archaeologically, and prophetically. And not come away with saying, it is the absolute truth. The reasons people don't believe in God is they don't want to submit to the absolute authority. The reason people don't want to obey the Bible is they don't want to submit to the absolute authority. But one day, we all will. My prayer to you online, to you who are going to watch this via television, to you in the 183 nations that are going to watch this program. It's simple. Every man, every woman, here or in eternity, is going to bow their knees 
they will fall on their face as of dead. And they will confess. Jesus, you are Lord. That means owner. Everybody will. The problem is if you don't do it here, you're still going to confess it. But you have to pay for your own sins there. If you confess here, he pays for your sins so you can be there. What side of eternity will you declare absolute authority and absolute truth? That nobody can answer but you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Is God's word true to you? You have to make that decision. If not, I'll be honest with you. It won't take you long to hate me. You'll leave. I'll be sad, but I'm not changing. I haven't changed in today's the anniversary of the church 23 years. I've been preaching the same way for 23 years. And before that, I've been preaching the same thing for 33 years. I will not compromise the word because I am not afraid of man, but I sure am afraid of a holy God. Amen. Today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, today, if you're watching online, no matter where you are in the world today, whether you're in Pakistan, whether you're in India, whether you're in Africa, no matter where you are, whether you're sitting in a house in Elmira, Corning, Horseheads, Ithaca, Cortland, all the way up to Alfred University, no matter where you are in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, the truth is still the truth. That is, do you know Jesus Christ as your living Savior? Do you know him? Have you confessed him? Have you received him? Maybe you did at one time, but now you're in a state called backslidden. All I know is this. Get right with God. Today, if you're in the room or you're watching online and you either want to get right with God or you want to accept Jesus for the very first time, I don't care which one it is. All I know is don't wait to the wrong side of eternity. Today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want him in your life, I'd like you to slide your hand up right now. Is there anyone in the room? I'm not going to wait long. Five, four, come on. Thank you very much. Yes. You put your hand right back down. Three. Come on, get your hand up. Two. Come on. Remember, indecision 
his decision. Last call. End one. If you're watching online, you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want you to type right in there, right in the comments, I want God. Someone's going to get a hold of you right now. we got a Bible for you. We're not, we don't just want you to start the journey. We want you to end it strong. You can also dial 97000 on your cell phone and type in, I am saved, and we'll make sure that we get right in touch with you. If you're watching from anywhere in the world, you can also go down, and there's an address there. We'll, you reach out or reach out to the TV station, King TV, and they'll make sure that you know God. Let's pray together. Father, as your church, we repent. As your church, we ask you to forgive us. As your church, we ask you to wash us clean from our own opinions. God, we repent from not taking your word as absolute. We repent for not taking you as the divine authority. We repent, God, and ask that you will realign our hearts. Ask that you will forgive us. And that, God, we will run towards you and put your word in front of us. For these are the children of God who are led by the Spirit of God. And the word and the Spirit always agree. God, you are unchanging. Thank you. Your word is unchanging. Thank you. Because in our changing world, in this world of chaos, there is sanity, there is security, there is surety that we are going to be okay. And more than okay, I have made you more than conquerors in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for blessing your church. Amen. Pastor Rhonda, I want to remind everybody, if you are a guest and we have a connect room, maybe you have never connected. Maybe you've been here 10 years and you only know you. You only know the lady or man that shakes your hand at the door. Well, we don't do that anymore. Maybe it's the very first time in the house. We want to connect with you. Right on your right, my left, down that hallway, there's a room called the Connect Room. We'll only take a few minutes. We have some snacks in there, some coffee, some juice. We want to make you connect so that you know that you're not in this race alone. We're going to run it together. Amen. Amen. If you raised your hand for salvation, this is Mindy on the top step. We'd love to have you come right forward. Bring the person that came with you. Um, we want to make sure you don't just start, but you finish this race. So please come forward and see Mindy. We're entering into the time of the service for our tithes and offerings. And in this house, we love to give. Giving is the nature of our God. Giving is something his word tells us to do in Malachi. It tells us to bring all the tithe, which is simply a tenth, that's what the word means, into his storehouse. And in Matthew, Jesus himself in red letters says, you tithe, this you ought to do. So it's something as the body of Christ that he tells us to do, but he doesn't just tell us so that we can give to his house and so that his house can be blessed. He tells us so that your house can be blessed, so that your money can be blessed. It takes your finances from this natural realm which is so unsure and so unstable. And it puts your finances in the supernatural hands of Almighty 
God who desires to bless and prosper his children. And that's where I want my finances. I want my finances in the supernatural. So in this house, we give. Stand to your feet. We're going to make our supernatural declaration as we depart this morning full of the absolute truth of the word of God. And his truth even applies to us in our giving and in our money. And I'm so thankful that every area of our life, the truth applies. Let's speak the word of God. This isn't just something we do religiously. We are declaring this very live and very active word over our money so that blessing, prosperity, promotion, favor will come to our household. So let's declare it and believe it in the name of Jesus. So it's Deuteronomy 28. It says, if you'll repeat after me, if I obey, then I am blessed going. 